Welcome to the Glam Life Podcast, where we empower and inspire beauty professionals to take their careers to the next level. Your host, Victoria, is a certified business coach with over a decade of experience in the beauty industry, helping countless beauty professionals start and grow successful businesses. Now she's sharing her knowledge and expertise with you. Whether you're just starting out in the beauty industry or looking to take your business to new heights, this podcast is for you, covering topics like community, management, branding, and much more. So join us on this journey to build the beauty business of your dream. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Glam Life Podcast. My name is Victoria Rocco. You might know me as Victoria Glam if you follow me over on Instagram and where you really should be following me if you want business tips and tricks for your PMU marketing business. I would say follow me on YouTube at the Microblading Institute. We do coach on skill set there, but boy, do we coach on marketing. Today, I have a very, very special guest. Um, she's very special because not only is she an influential um, permanent makeup educator with students who take her lessons all over the United States, the UK and Europe, but and Canada, but also she is one of my very best friends. Hi, Katie. Katie Schofield, everybody. Hi, and I'm so glad that you pronounced it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Schofield. I love her. I love her. Um, inside jokes. So you guys, Katie and I met um, during pandemic time. Um, we were both locked away in little rooms doing very different things. I was coaching beauty businesses and she was working on her own business and working very hard. And I had just had a baby and she didn't mind me showing up to every meeting in sweats um, with big blankets, snuggling a baby or just being exhausted and having my 18th cup of coffee for the day. So we actually invented this thing called Blanket Club. Um, where we would both show up to the meeting with different blankets and surprise each other with what blanket we had today. <laughs> Listen, COVID was a weird time for everybody. But this does feel a little bit like Blanket Club. Like we had a date on a Zoom call, just the two of us to talk about business. <laughs> we did. I remember the one time you were like, I can't wait for Blanket Club this week. And then you turned up with, with one that was like, a dog blanket covering your entire face. And I remember just logging on and just losing it. And still it's one of my favorite COVID memories. I saw it last night when I was looking through all of those old stories on Instagram for the last like eight years. I was making this YouTube video last night, you guys, um, that kind of tells how I got into permanent makeup and then what moves I made in the industry to get me where I am today. It's like, it's not that long. It's like maybe 10 minutes, but it's got pictures and videos for every little step that I'm talking about. I went and pulled them from my Instagram. And one of the ones that I saw was the blanket club one where I had that sack over my head with a dog face. So funny. And I remember how we, I logged on a Facebook afterward and you had tagged me in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I posted that shit everywhere. There was like, if you, if you're funny, like if, for me, you, you're going everywhere. Just, just FYI. I love that. So Katie, um, I am going to be sharing my story on how I got into permanent makeup and how I kind of built this business for myself, but I really want people to know your story. I feel like mine is so typical. Um, I was a mom and I wanted to own my time. So I left my nine to five and I got into the beauty industry and then my beauty industry. Yes, I've taken it to heights. A lot of people don't reach, but the story of getting there is pretty typical, right? Like I had a business falling out with someone. I started my own thing. I didn't mean to own a business, accidental entrepreneur, built it up. And then things happened for me because I made a lot of the right moves and I invested in a lot of the right, you know, education. But you came from a very 
different world altogether. You left home really young and then you've been kind of carving your own path every step of the way. Take me through a little bit of the Katie origin story. Yeah, I mean, this is where I feel like very different. I don't feel very represented in the world of permanent makeup. And, and I felt that when I joined it, I had to kind of be someone else. And as I've got older, I feel like I'm definitely settling into just being much more myself. So I left home very young. Um, I was a punk rocker in Manchester. I went and lived in a squat first off. Explain what that is. You have what a, squ- a squat. It's like a, an illegal house where you like, like where you would stay where you're not supposed to be, like flat. A bando. <laughs> yeah, so like a, so. I was a bit of a squatter, and then I actually went and left to go and be like an eco warrior. Do you have those? What is an eco warrior? Like <laughs> an eco warrior. So like the people that are fighting for the planet. So you would like protest against Rose things. And so I went and lived in one of these low impact living organizations where we had, no, I had like a trailer, but I had like my, I like big, everything was composted and like your water went through reed bed filtration and we had our own electricity and like a hippie compound. It was a hippie compound. And I was there for two years. How many people live there? Maybe 30 or so. How did you deal with that? really easily and you know what when I look back at that time of my life I think it was a it's a time of my life that I'm really glad I had for several reasons the first reason was I was incredibly poor so I had absolutely no money because we were growing things and you know if I wanted to watch telly we had to pray for it to be sunny for the solar panel (laughs) I'm not even joking um so because of that I think it really hardened me to to I'm stuck there oh man it's a beautiful day maybe we should watch some television it's like it's a sunny day love island tonight (laughs) (laughs) but but that hardened me to it made me understand the value of how of how things work you know and how how wasteful people are um it also taught me the value of be of of knowing how to be really poor so I think that later on in life I mean, you know me because you work with me. You know I'm not that, I'm motivated by success, but not so much by money. I mean, I've got really nice things. I'm surrounded by nice things, but it's not my primary motivation. And in COVID, I think that that really helped me because I could go back to going, oh my God, I want to be really poor again. (laughs) Here we go again. Here we go again. But I knew how to do it because I'd done it so well. But actually, when I look back at that time, it's something that I look back on with a lot of fondness. It was a really good time that, and everyone that knew me at the time always talks about that place with like, you know, we've all got rose tinted glasses. We forget that we had to like shovel snow and we on the gas tank to defrost it. And <laughs> Not squatting over the gas tank. I I have a similar experience in my background. Everybody knows I was an exotic dancer all through college and I am still friends with the girls that I worked with, which is highly unusual for a strip club like most of that time it's transactional right like people come in they make their money and they leave they're not there to make friends and they're certainly not making lifelong friends um those might be the friends that they partied and did drugs with or something and they're 20 and then you know as a mature adult and they're married they kind of want to put that on the back burner and not think about it or talk about it and so they're certainly not hanging out with that person that was not the case for the club that i worked at for there was a, a couple of circumstances that made that club a little different than other people but it's kind of the same thing like we were in the dirt you know a lot of people didn't respect us very much it's an alternative lifestyle at that time and to look back on I'm so glad you said with rose tinted glasses because I do look back on that as so 
such a fun time in my life and so fondly. And it taught me a lot of things about business. Now, it didn't teach me to be poor. I was very rich when I was a dancer. I was the richest person in my friend group for sure. But it taught me um, how to take it on the chin. So when people talk shit on social media, I couldn't give a shit. Somebody left me a one-star review and said I was mean. And I started telling people to, yeah, I'm not even that nice. Google me. <laughs> like I, I could, I take it on the chin. I really couldn't care. And, um, and it taught me a whole lot about sales and making connections with people. So I love the idea that you look back on a time that some people would say like, wow, you didn't have electricity. You were dirt poor. You, there was nothing for you to fall back on. You look back on it fondly and with lessons learned. And that's really important in business because if your mindset is always one of what did I learn from this? You're always going to be learning. So yeah. how did you, how did you wind up leaving the yurt compound? Uh, because I started working and working for myself and earning more money. And cause I was, While you I were was, there. I was nursing at the time. And yeah, that's when I started getting into sort of photography. I'm You're a nurse back in the day. Yeah. Like ages ago. We are best friends for 30 years and you never told me that you're a nurse? Yeah, well, that's what I left school and did when I was... I knew you were a masseuse. I knew you were a fetish model. I, I yeah. knew that you you have autism, but yeah. I didn't know you were a fucking nurse. This is why I'm so particular on people's cleanliness. Because the other day I was watching this ad came up and it's it's all over my Facebook and it's someone promoting themselves tattooing with a fucking watch on. And I'm like, take your watch off. You're going to be spreading hepatitis. I don't care if it's a Rolex. Take your watch off. Okay, I saw that. I saw that with the Rolex. I am guilty of that. I wear my Apple Watch so that if the school calls or something, I know. And I, I know that that's not a good enough excuse. I need a I need to wrap it or something. I just wrap it. I just wrap wrap my because I have my Garmin. Thinks of you know this is my lifeline to everything, but I just wrap it. That's a good tip. Yeah, just stick some cling wrap, and you can still see who's calling you. And I think nobody ever thinks about it. You know, nobody ever talks about the watch on your hand on your arm they're like well you're wearing gloves good for you Katie. No, i do okay, so i'm sorry i interrupted you so you were working yeah, you yeah were i was working. nursing at the time and i got accepted to do nursing at university but i was also then starting modeling and that was loads of money yeah. <laughs> I just went, yeah i don't think i want to do nursing <laughs> that's like full of poo and pee <laughs> And you're grossed out by poop and pee. So well, just like I can just make how did, you get, how did you get into fetish modeling? I think I was already sort of attracted to the aesthetic of it when I was young. Very attracted to the aesthetic from a, a young age. I kind of still am. And it's always the thing that people want to talk about with me, but it's kind of the thing that I'm least interested in now. I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm done that. I've still got the rubber clothes downstairs, but it's like it was again, it was less interesting than people <laughs> think. I made it. I made a lot of money. So again, that taught me to be rich and it also taught me to work for myself. So I haven't worked for anyone else for 25 years. That's the last time I worked for anyone else. That's not true. I was a contractor. <laughs> uh, that's not true. No, that is, yeah, technically you're a contractor. Um, so you've done now how many years in permanent makeup? Nine, I think. How and you started? I had a beauty business. So I started in beauty. So beauty and more holistic things. And then I just loved eyebrows. I think I've always loved eyebrows. And I would love combing them and setting them. But you don't make any money, you know, waxing some eyebrows. And so it was, it just allowed me to do the thing that I loved the most and actually start building a business from it. And 
it's I had a moment the other day and, and I literally live live messaged you on my entire plane journey to come and see you. I got the Wi-Fi and I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember when I trained thinking this could be big for me. I, I could maybe travel. Imagine sitting on a plane, drinking champagne, going to America. And I'm like, hey, guys, <laughs> <laughs> I'm first class drinking champs on my way to Mardi Gras. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, you, it, it happened. You made it happen. So you yeah. made it happen. You did. I did. I did. And I all, really, this business in earnest started taking off when you started showing up for your business regularly in your room where you tattoo with your dog mm -hmm. on camera. She doesn't tattoo with her dog. It's a joke. It's an inside joke. But uh, you, I'm you happy showed to up make a that, I'm happy to make that an outside joke, though, because like literally. Oh, that's go ahead. That's what happens when it was you. You said this to me. You said, first come the copycats, next come the haters. That's when you know you're doing well. First come the copycats. And do you remember when someone ripped off my entire YouTube and put their logo bouncing around my head? She actually Why would put, I remember that? She put her own logo. So she took my YouTube. Um, and then... Um, Katie, I forget how old I am. Why would I remember? <laughs> well, anyway, somebody... I ripped everything. So tell me the story because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So somebody ripped off my entire YouTube and 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 she was Persian and she um, translated it all to Persian. But she put her she took my logo off and put her own logo on my head. <laughs> I own you. <laughs> I own it. And honestly, and I found her Instagram. She had loads of followers and they were all going, Master, you are so insightful with this knowledge. Thank you thought you were back in fetish modeling, huh? Master. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like, bitch, I'm the master. I know. Get I'm this shit off here. That is wild. And and I remember you. So I, I, I had it all removed. And I remember. What did I tell you to do? Um, you know, everyone was furious. Mary Richardson's going, so the bitch, so her, so her. Like and I just remember you in a in a sea of everyone going, that's outrageous, that's disgusting. You went, you got your first copycat. <laughs> Next come the haters. And oh. um, and that was the one thing is someone had tried to have me closed down by saying I tattoo in my bedroom with a dog. <laughs> Poor Gracie, you know, she's just trying to live her life. <laughs> she's a terrible assistant. <laughs> She can't hold the pause. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's so fun. No, that is true though, right? Like, actually, first come um, comes the encouragement, and those are the snakes. So the first people when you start a business who come to you and say like, "Oh my god, this is so exciting! I'm really proud of you! I'm so excited for you!" Some of them are genuine, and some of them are snakes. Some of them are just waiting to see if they can get anything out of it, or if you're going to fail. So they want to be close to you to know when you fail. They want to hear about it. You know, they're going to be almost too involved. People that you're not that close with suddenly are like all up in your shit. Then, um, so I guess the the haters are there the whole time, right? Then as you start doing well, some of the people who genuinely were happy for you are like, okay, that's kind of the complete completion of the story for me. She's doing well. She started a business. She's doing well. That's great. And every once in a while when they run into you, they say, how's your business doing? That's amazing. I'm really proud of you. Those snakes start getting angry though. They don't mm -hmm. like that you're not failing. People like you to do well, but not better than them, especially mm -hmm. if you come from the same place. You know, your favorite, Lobusi, said, I can't live in Baton Rouge because you can't live rich around the same people you were poor with. You can't do it. So he has to live in Atlanta. That's what he says. Um, it's kind of the same ideology. 
you have to be careful who you complain and bitch with because some of those people are not going to be happy when you're not complaining and bitching. Misery mm-hmm. loves company, as they say. Then come the copycats. People who say, well, if she's doing it, I know I can do it. You know, she's, she's fucking stupid, so I can do it. I'm smart. And then if it doesn't work out, that's when they become haters. Oh, man, are they haters. They'll start telling people all kind of shit about you, hoping that people will find you less desirable and attractive because of what they're telling them. But in actuality, what it makes you look like when you're complaining about somebody who's winning is like you look jealous and bitter. Yeah, so, these things come full circle. And it was Carla, wasn't it, said on your podcast, never interrupt your enemies while they're busy destroying themselves. And I've just let, they, I know who said that. And it was my biggest encourager. Oh, yeah. See, it always yep. is. Snake. It always is. The person who was so sure you're going to do great at this, you should totally do it. They were waiting for you to fail. And then when you didn't fail, they were really mad. Because I love when a plan goes according to plan. But when the plan fails, I'm not happy when my plans fail. Are you? Mm-mm, no, no. They, they she wasn't planning on you doing really well. She wasn't no. planning on you coming to America first class ship, sipping champagne. Yeah, sucks, doesn't it? Taryn Darling had a similar a similar experience. And she talked about it on my podcast. Taryn was saying that, you know, it was her and this girl. They didn't work together. They weren't partners, but they worked alongside one another. And Taryn had this um, great idea for her very long color theory class. And it was going to be done like in person, but online. So live for like eight hours. And the girl's like, that's a terrible idea. That's a shit idea. Nobody's going to want to do that. Don't pour your time and energy into it. You shouldn't do it, whatever. And Taryn actually listened to her and she put it off for a long time. But it stayed consistent in her brain, buzzing like a bee. Like I've got to do this thing. And it made her really famous, mm-hmm. really famous. And the girl got the sour oats, the sap big time. And I asked her on the podcast, I said, and let me, don't tell me who it is. Where is she now? Where is she now? Is she a Taryn Darling? Do we know this person? And she said, you've never heard of her. It, it they, don't, they don't like you to do better than them. That's always the case, isn't it? You can do well, but only if you stay under me. And, it was, and that was cutting that person out of my life is when everything went stratospheric for me. So I realized it wasn't, it wasn't just that she wasn't helping me go forward. She was actually holding me back. It's true. And sometimes it's not even them holding you back. Like there is someone who I always had in high esteem who I thought of as like big sister type. I think I even verbally said that to her once. Like, don't you kind of feel like you're up here and I'm down here or whatever. And she was like, no, I don't feel that way at all. I feel like we're here. It wasn't until I got away from being in that per having that person in my circle all the time. It wasn't until I removed myself that I started to kind of flourish on my own because it was my mindset. I was always thinking you can't usurp the master. You can never do better than so-and-so. So I would smaller myself all the time. But once I removed my, and it wasn't anything that she told me or said or did. She wasn't taking opportunities for me. She wasn't telling me you can't. She was actually telling me you can often, but it was my own mentality. I think that holds a lot of people back, but I've never seen that from you ever. You've always been so sure of yourself and of the moves that you're making. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why you're also so quick to be actionable. Where's that come from? I mean, you even left home so early. Like you've always been confident. Really busy. I had stuff to do. I, you know, because that sounds like <laughs> I had a bad home life, and my mom absolutely drove me insane. But I didn't have, you know, I wasn't beaten or starved or anything. I was just incredibly busy. I had things to do. So I moved into Manchester. I lived, grew up in the city. Uh, so grew up in the country. Wanted to get into the big city. Wanted to see, you know, the bright lights of Manchester. And then got there and 
thought, actually, it's nice for a visit, but I don't really want to live here. And so yeah. then I had to spend two years trying to get out. So work, I've worked from the age of 11. I got a job when I was 11 years old. I don't even know if that's legal. Yeah, um, I ran a cleaning business when I was 11. Your own cleaning business? I, yeah, I had a cleaning business when I was 11. I worked five days a week after school. So my, we just didn't have any money. We like, I grew up poor, not not really poverty stricken. I don't want to sit there saying, you know, like I had holes in my shoes or anything. Um, but we didn't have any spare money. We lived in an affluent area, but we were the, we were the poorer ones. And my mum just didn't have anything. And if I wanted things, so if I knew that if I had to get things, I was going to have to work. So I started cleaning people's houses um, after school um, with a friend of mine. And by the age of like 14, we had like a full, like um, a full business. What was your cleaning business called? I don't even think we had a name for it, but we just had so many, We every night after school we would, and that meant that I could like buy music, you know, I could buy CDs or, you know, buy maybe a new pair of trainers or something. Um, I so you to, I want you to think about this real quick. I want everyone to just close your eyes and envision this. You come home after a hard day of work and you let the 11 year old girl in and she starts scrubbing the floors. Yeah, <laughs> when I think about it now. But to me, it's always, it's cemented that in my head that if I want the thing, I have to do the work. Yeah. So it, it, it's just, that's how my brain works. So if if I, if I want my business to grow, I can't just sit and bitch and moan about it. I have to do the thing. Yeah. And that's why it, it's grown so quickly because I've gone, all right, I'll just go and do the thing. I don't, I don't moan about it. So I think that it is just like a work ethic that I've always had. Now, don't get me wrong. I like kicking back and relaxing you know, as much as anyone, but yeah, I worked from the age of 11. So I think that's where the entrepreneurial part of me has come from. So your first year in a beauty business, talk to me about from, from the moment that you decided to go into the beauty business and then like what moves, what were your first moves? First moves in beauty. Um, that was a tough time actually, because I was sick. I was sick for a long time then. So it didn't take off very well. And I think that that affected me for a long time, which is why I'm so fanatical about like magnesium and vitamin D and everything. And I bitch and moan to you all the time to take it. Oh, um, I take my magnesium faithfully. I had a severe vitamin D deficiency and got flu and then just couldn't get well again. So I had chronic fatigue. It was almost diagnosed as ME. So that was- What's I just, ME? It's, I can't remember. It's a big, long name, but it means you're like, not just tired all the time, but like you've- can't think straight, brain fog. So basically long flu, like long COVID. So so I had that for a long time. Um, and it also struck me again when I um when I trained in microblading. So I've had it, I've had three or four major episodes of it in my life. I don't think it's gonna happen to me again because I've medicated myself with vitamin D. So every time I've had COVID, I've been all right. But yeah, I was really poorly with that. So it took me a long time to get things together. Um, but pretty soon. I was asked to be a teacher. I think that my the woman who trained me in beauty could see that I was a good teacher and that I could explain things well. So that happened pretty quickly that I became a beauty teacher um, and started training other people. And so when I moved into permanent makeup, definitely education was always in my sights. Yeah. So how long bef between your first PMU training and the time you became an educator? Oh, a lot. I left it years and I left it years on purpose because I really did feel how can you teach someone how to color boost someone when you haven't seen your own work come back to you a year later? Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. I think three years. So I think many three people, years. 
we in my state you need to be licensed four years before you start educating but that doesn't mean that people do it you know so many people take their first class and they're like how do I become an educator in the class in the first class I'm like well you go and do the thing first you a year and a half later okay well I'm selling training like you haven't seen your own healed work you haven't seen enough of your own healed work you don't what would you do for for um a color correction what would you do with scar tissue what would you, you know, how do you treat this skin versus that skin? They don't know. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, it was easily three years. And I actually kept in touch with the people that had trained me as well. So I think I had a real weird thing of not wanting to step on anyone's toes. Because what happened when I got trained is me and my trainer, this is going to sound really weird, but we kind of fell in love in a friend way. You know, when you meet like your soulmate, but they just happen to be like, you know, a woman and you're not going to shag them but it was like we we just kind of fell in love with each other you know I was like you're like me I think this is she's the person that taught that kind of pointed out look I think you're autistic you know because I think I'm autistic her son got tested for autism and she's like shit it's come from me and then she's like and and you're the same and we kind of it was like I met someone that I was able to be my fully weird self in front of and she just loved it so you're on the same wavelength oh my gosh yeah totally so we just we loved each other that we we I got Jess to be friends with me by stalking her because um, I took my training. Stalker. Yeah, yeah. I stalked her, like fully stalked her um, to the point that my husband stepped in and went, you need to stop this. This is weird. (laughs) So what did he think was weird? Right. So what happened is I trained and then I went straight to Italy on holiday and I had my... um, manual with me to swat up while I was on holiday and I kind of posted and said look I'm swatting up by the pool today and tagged her in yeah she's like oh god I wish I was in your suitcase I was like oh you kind of are look um and then I sort of said oh you're by the lake today and then she said this is so cool I think you should tag me in every post so I I cut her out with nail scissors I cut her out and I took her everywhere I took her to dinner I took her on a boat I took her all over this little paper Jess yeah paper Jessica like flat Stanley yeah and then she messaged me and went this has been so much fun and then about two weeks later I got a Facebook notification and she was in Florence with a little paper Katie (laughs) that's so cute okay so because I know you I this is so funny that's such a cute bit but if I didn't know you guys it'd be it'd be weird are they in, what's going on? We're not in love. Well, but, but as friends. Like you're also not promoting anything. So like it's a weird marketing campaign for your friendship that you guys are up to. We just, and then she's like, look, Katie, here you are with some, some graffiti. And it was like a massive picture of a penis. And she, she took me all around Pisa. Like, and then, do you know what we did? We said, do you know, we've had such a good time. Let's go on holiday together. So we'd only met each other in our class. And then we went to Rome on holiday. And that was it. We were like best friends. My best friend, Ariel, Ariel and I had the same experience where we met each other and instantly, like we we were not attached at the hip, but we it felt like a, it felt like walking into your own house. You know, oh, I'm very at home here, very comfortable right away. And at first there was a little weird piece of it. Right. And maybe you had this right after your class. So we met on spring break. There were like maybe 80 of us who went on spring break and we just, whoever got in this room is in that room. So we were in a room with like eight other people maybe, and we don't know each other. So we became, but we vibed really well. And we started hanging out and we hung out for that entire week. And we were just absolutely 
immediately playing the part of best friends as if we had been best friends our whole life, the entire week that we were wasted at spring break, right? Famously, I walked up to her at this party and I was like, you're the nicest person here. And she said, I'm on drugs. <laughs> like famously, she was like, thanks, I'm on drugs, which she never did, but on that one night in spring break. And then we a whole friendship blossomed out of it. But then we got back to Lafayette, we got home from Florida. And I was like, do I, call? I mean, it's almost like dating. Do I call mm-hmm. her? Do we, are we going to actually hang out? Like, was this a one-time thing? Is this sustainable? And the first time we were home, I was like, we should go out for drinks tonight. Do you want to go to Agave or wherever we went? And um, she said, yeah. And as we sat down at the table, it was awkward, even though we just spent an intensive, like 10 days together. I was like, Hey, you know, it's like so awkward. But then after that, once it felt the same as it did on spring break after that dinner, never again. I mean, she is, you know, my kids, fake godmother and just in my wedding I was in her wedding I did her wedding I was the officiant for her wedding we're that close but did it feel a little awkward after after class yeah yeah and it's like are we actually going to be friends or or am I feeling something here that she's not feeling because I'm feeling like we're going to get it off (laughs) and it feels so weird because it's like um it's like dating a little bit Mm-hmm. It's exactly like you're ex- expressing, like, it's not like you, you're you attracted to that person. You're attracted to their vibe, like being around them. But it almost feels like, like little kids trying to figure out, like, are we friends? I felt that way the first time you and I hung out because we had this very formal relationship of being coach and student, handshake, handshake, nice to see, it. even though we were very casual in our meetings, but that was a very like defined container. I mm-hmm. see you for 30 minutes every week on the zoom call. And then, you know, maybe we message about business and that's it. But the first time that we actually saw each other in person, I was kind of like, Oh, Hey, hey, (laughs) high five, hug, high five, handshake. Hi. You yelled at me the first time you met me. Get in the fucking car. (laughs) (laughs) What what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. You picked me up in new Orleans. That was the first time we met in person. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even stop the car. Nope. You were in a rough oh. neighborhood and I was in a Porsche. So yeah, I, I remember I lifted the tailgate and I, yeah, I didn't even know the man. I, I rolled down my window and I yelled, Steve, throw our bags in. <laughs> he just ran off to it in the bags in and then they had to set off. But <laughs> just what so you know, you? Then, just that was, that was, I thought we would like my hug or whatever, but you was like, <laughs> get in the fucking car. We're, we're not, just, stop, we're not stopping. Just so you know, though, when because we've just seen each other recently, I've just been over for Mardi Gras. Little paper Jess and paper Katie were in my purse the whole time. Oh, oh my God, that's so cute. Did you send her anything? Yeah. (laughs) Did she come to the ball? Did she come to our Mardi Gras ball? She did. What did I? What did I yell at you? There's it's like a quote, and you say it. I said we're 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 not stopping. What did I say? We're not. We ain't stopping till Baton Rouge. (laughs) That was it. Get in the fucking car. We ain't stopping until Baton Rouge. And I was like, hi, <laughs> nice to meet you. There's none of that. There's none of that. <laughs> Not no, um, no. When did I feel so But awkward? you were asking me about, about training. And I, I felt oh. because I was so close to Jess, would I, did I, I felt a bit weird going, I want to do what you're doing and become your competition, essentially. Right. Right. You know, although we, you know, she's over on the coast near Liverpool and I'm in the middle, you know, we're not each other's competition. So for a while, I kind of like, oh, I don't know how I how I address this. And she's just like, oh, my God, you dick. You know, of course I want you to do this. This is my success. You are my success story. I tell everyone about you. Yeah. Um, and the same with Alexandra Manusha, who owns the company. She's just been like 
continuously supportive of me. So I just feel like I had a really nice, easy ride up until like my friend tried to get me shut down for tattooing with the dog. That's some bullshit. But yeah. you know what? It, it's just a testament to that you're actually making waves. You're actually growing and being big. To me, you're a big fish because I see the growth that you have and I see the amount of people I have to approve to get into permanent excellence and they're all like worshiping you. Like you're a celebrity. They're like, oh my God, I came from Katie's YouTube. I came from Katie's YouTube. I came from Katie's YouTube. Everybody knows you on YouTube. If you're searching permanent makeup and you want to learn things on YouTube, Katie Schofield is your first educator or, you know, your first online educator. And it's crazy to me how people outside of YouTube just don't know who you are. It's like walking into a party and then you walk outside and it's quiet. It's like the weirdest thing. I'm going back to the party. <laughs> I found it weird because people recognized me in America. That was weird. Yeah. Was really strange when people were, I know who you are. You're the shoe video girl. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay. And you are the shoe video girl. I am the shoe and video. Is, that's a really good metaphor that you use. Shay was really impressed with that. Yeah, it's how my head works. And I think that that has always been my thing. And I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but putting things in a way that people go, oh, okay, that's easy. Because yeah. that, my brain breaks things down. And so that's how I've always been attracted to educating people because I want to make things easy for people to understand. I love that. I like your dedication and maybe this comes from the way like your brain working differently than everyone else's, but I like your dedication to making sure that you're at someone's level. You always speak to them at their own level. So wherever they are, you go and meet, meet them. You're like, okay, I'm going to put this in terms that you understand. You do it with me all the time. I tell you, you have to tell me like I'm a child. You have to take me step by step through something. It's not that I'm less intelligent. It's that my brain just works that way. I need, I need you to take me from A, B, C, D to E. You can't tell me A, okay, here's E. I need to hear the whole why behind things, like a child. But that is how you get success on YouTube. Because if you go there, the big I am, I'm this, I'm that, it, it won't cut it on there. It won't well, cut it that's, that. that's why Instagram is very different. It's all people on there going, this is me marketing myself. And on YouTube, it's like, how can I help you? And it's very, very different. And that's why I've succeeded on there. And other people yeah. are not doing as well. Uh, okay, so... Um, I have been doing a little YouTube research and I'm looking at other people who educate on skill set just like you. And there are some people who are doing really well, but I find that a lot of their better works that got lots of engagement and probably awarded them lots of subscribers were in 2021. So right after pandemic, people probably started their business during pandemic, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, maybe with pandemic money or maybe just because they had the downtime off work. <clears throat> then in 2021, they're like, okay, I got to make this work. So they were looking for education for free instead of taking another class, another class, another class. And so it was almost probably a little easier in 2021 to make an audience for yourself educating, but you're doing it here in 2024 and you're doing really well. And new videos from those older artists in 2024 are not doing as well. So I don't think it's strategy for them at all. I think it was just dumb luck. But for you, it's clearly strategy because the opportunity isn't as wide as it was three years ago. Thoughts? It's not. Yeah, it's not as wide everywhere. I think you hear the same on um, Instagram. You hear it on Facebook. And it is the same on YouTube. It isn't as easy as it was had you started um, three, four years ago. But no one has a time machine. And I still think that the opportunities on YouTube are something that gets vastly overlooked in, in our industry from big artists. I mean, gosh, I, I was speaking to someone who's very, very well known. And I, I just went, you YouTube shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she went, just please sort it out, please. I was like, it's shit, man. That's, you know, you're not performing. How can you have 70,000 Instagram followers and it not be performing for you? Like live, I did it on a coaching call. Your, your Instagram, your YouTube shit. <laughs> I was on but, the call, right? Uh, I don't know. You know who I mean. Maybe you don't. <laughs> there's two there's two people it could be so I'm thinking is yeah. it this one or is that one but I think I know which one it is but yeah I mean I've I've definitely heard it in Girls Alive you being like okay she gave me her login I'm looking at the back end and like I can fix this real quick but what she's doing is shit and here's why it's always a lesson it's not just shit talking I like that about you though I like that you're a I like a little gossip you know me I like a little gossip but you always gossip for a cause so it makes me feel better about being a gossip <laughs> you gossip and we learn a lesson you know <laughs> yeah but the thing is it's because I'm passionate about it but I think the thing from me is knowing that I know what I'm talking about I like a lot of people think they know what they talk about and I think that was why I didn't push myself as quickly as an educator in permanent makeup because you really want to know that you do know what you're talking about you don't want to be the person that everyone's going no actually that's that's incorrect we don't want to be that so with YouTube it's having these things and it's tried and tested for me it's like if I yeah. do that this happens and it's repeated and to the point that I go if you do that it'll work for you as well um and we're seeing it yeah oh the proof is in the pudding I mean we're skyrocketing our whole YouTube group is skyrocketing the beta testers for this class are skyrocketing um quick question permanent jewelry mm -hmm. you have also become a leader in educating permanent jewelry and now you know eternal bond is sweeping it's got all these other instructors and people are dying to take the class and how how did you decide, okay, I'm ready to add something new on to my permanent makeup services? That was a hard one because I was pretty focused on where I was going. I had my map of where I was going and that wasn't in it. And it was just purely from having it done. And the reason that I decided to take it on was purely from having Nicole. So Nicole is who works with me. And Nicole is a permanent makeup artist, which she's not as busy as I am. And so she was like, I will help with this more because I can do more of this while you can't. If you give me your expertise and insights on running the business, I will do more of the actual donkey work of it. And it was only because of Nicole that I thought to take it on. And we just thought, ah, it'll be a nice little add on. You know what I mean? We've got uh -huh. a little space. Like we had no idea of the juggernaut it was going to become. Yeah, I've watched Nicole get overwhelmed and you guys toying with the idea of like, we need a hire, we need a hire. I still have mine on. Are you proud of me? I I love that you do because we have matchy matchy, matching bestie jewelry. Can you believe Taylor it? Taylor too. We got ours done together, you know. She doesn't have the pearl. Yeah. But um, but we had them done at the exact same time and we said like, oh, look, we're twins. But you know what I love about permanent jewelry, which I didn't really think about because I just, I saw the business opportunity really is the fact it's really good fun. It really is good fun, but also it's a bit of light relief because let's be honest, we've got color theory, needle selection. How is it going to heal? Client's expectations. Is it going to bleed? What technique am I using? This is going, which chain do you want? <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you want something sparkly? You want the pretty one. <laughs> you want the pretty one. And that actually, and everyone that comes is excited and happy. And it's kind of been a little bit of light relief to to what for, for us is quite I'm not going to say a stressful business but you know there's a lot riding on us getting it right a tattoo on your face yeah so for us it's just been something and it's managed to open us up to a slightly wider audience so we've got a different ideal client 
I know we talk about marketing to your ideal clients. So we've got a different ideal client. We've also got a different ideal student. And it gets us a lot of lash artists, nail artists, people like that, or, or jewelry makers as well. So it's kind of just put us in front of a, a whole different audience. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's more potential clients because you're pulling from lots of industries and people are looking to add on services to kind of bolster their books a little bit. So yeah. you're really busy with doing permanent makeup. Your books are full. You're really busy with teaching permanent makeup. You guys do permanent jewelry and you teach permanent jewelry. You have your own podcast. You are the founder of VIPMU Coaching, which takes also hours of your time every week. Um, now you're going on these speaking engagements, like you're going to be in Bali. You're a coach in Indonesia. You've come here to the, U the U.S. Um, and now you have a shop. Now you have an online shop too. <laughs> For somebody who didn't really care about the money, you sure stumbled into a bunch of it. Yeah. Yeah. Shay I says the same thing. Shay's like, I don't even know how much I make. I don't ever look at the money. I don't Blair, her husband handles all the paperwork, all the spreadsheets, all the, but she just prints money. I feel very similar in, in, I know we're kind of different personalities, me and Shay, but I feel very similar to Shay in watching her work because I've obviously I've, I've managed to spend some time with Shay. She, she's excited for the, for the, for the process. She gets yeah. really excited by the process and the growth. And that's me because of my sort of slightly neurodiverse brain. You need to keep me constantly entertained. And, and if there's no growth, if I'm stagnating, just like, so my last business, my beauty business was full all the time. I was full all the time. I even had like people coming from the Royal household. I was that good yeah. at my job, but I couldn't make any proper money. And I was fully booked. And it's like, well, there's nowhere to go. There's literally no room. So it's boring to me because, you know, to everybody else you've made it. But to me, that's like, well, every day is the same. Everything's boring. You know, so this is why I love YouTube so much because I've gamified it. Every day there's more subscribers or my growth increases or my money increases. It's like a game. And I think that that's how I see the process. I need to feel constantly stimulated by it. And the money is a great um, add-on. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want to be rewarded for my time. Of course I do, but it's not the driving force. The driving force is the growth and seeing things, seeing a process through start to finish. I have to tell you, since I've taken your YouTube course, this is not a plug. You can't even buy her YouTube course yet anyway. You have to um, be invited. Yeah. And listen, I didn't, I didn't even pay for it. We're best friends. And so I'm like a beta student and we're working through this course. I'm telling you, since I have taken your YouTube course and I'm seeing my growth, it's like being a, a young kid in puppy love. I, it's so exciting. You're like, it's that, it's that little rush of adrenaline you used to get from new subscriber, new subscriber. I'm getting it again. And I had it, it like, um, it's watching the, the cake be made. You know, it's so exciting to say when I add this ingredient, watch what happens. Oh my God. When I do, do this, watch what happens. Oh, I'm so excited to drop this one. Cause I know what's going to happen. And then it happens. And it's so gratifying. I have fallen back in love with creating and posting content. And YouTube is far different from Instagram in the way that you do it and in the way that it attracts people. And then what you do with the leads is even different than Instagram. It's actually a little less labor intensive. So, I mean, the editing and stuff is not, but the, the back end of it is different. It's so been so much fun, like a renewal in the business. It feels like we're back, but I don't think that we ever left. You know what I mean? It's like this electric new thing. It's so exciting right now. 
it's a new relationship for you. And for me, who taught you this, because obviously for a long time, I'm like, you need to do that. You need to do that. But I needed you to be ready. And then when you did it, watching you get so excited is just pure joy for me. It's pure joy. I keep going, I know, I know. The I know, student right? became the master. I know, right? It's so exciting. But do you not think that with like a lot of the way that other socials have gone, that people are, it feels like trying to put some spark in a dead relationship. We're all on Instagram. Oh, dude, it's exhausting. We're zombies. Everybody on Instagram is a zombie. But it feels like just like trying to kick some life into a marriage that's dead, you know, like. I um, wish someone would kick me. I'm, I need to feel something over on Instagram. (laughs) And I, I feel like that's just like I, my Instagram is great and it gets me clients. And and I again, I great can place to talk to people. It's a great place. I try to funnel people from my YouTube into my Instagram so that I can talk to them and nurture them and make business relationships with them, you know, and, and help them. That's that's what I want to do. You can't do it as, as easily on YouTube. But basically, that's that's all it is. It's like, just go to my other room and chat to me. Chat to yeah. YouTube's but, um, top of funnel for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest funnel for for VIPMU. That's where we get that's where we get people into coaching is from my YouTube. If you were a brand new permanent makeup artist just graduated from your class today, what were the first? What would be the first three moves you made for your business right now in twenty twenty four? Straight away coaching. Straight away, it would be that would be the biggest thing is to get coaching on. Um, building your business, getting your models, um, and because I think that what happens is people flounder. And then they come for help a year, maybe two years down the line going, you know, this really isn't working. I've put everything into this. And then you've got to undo all the the, the terrible moves that they've made. So I think, And you're not going to get the money back that you spent trying other things. No, I think go, go into that straight away because um, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't have the right ideas, you can waste so much time, waste so much time and so much money. So I would definitely get into some either an apprenticeship or a mentorship straight away because having someone walk that with you is is just... Um, yeah, just the best thing. The, the second thing we don't use, don't use organic, highly pigmented pigments straight away would be my second piece of advice. If you've if been in new- business less than two years, do not buy skills pigments from me. No, but my God, they're good. They're so them. good. I love they're those. So good. But I you have them. to be as good as the pigments, okay? So if mm. you're not that good yet, you don't. these brows are going to be there forever. This eyeliner is never leaving. So <laughs> yeah. shout out so, skills. It that is would my, be my favorite eyeliner pigment of all time, but I am not putting it in my students' kits. No way. No way. They need, yeah. But so I would say stick to inorganic until you know that your depth is right. Absolutely. Because biotech, biotech. no one wants to be um, faced with the mistakes that they made. You want something that fades. Yeah. Uh, because we all do terrible browsing. Well, you know less than great brows in the beginning that so that would be my second piece of advice third piece of advice um don't listen to advice in forums oh my god we get terrible advice we get terrible advice in facebook groups yeah yeah why don't you like why don't you like facebook group advice because I think that that's been a real frustration for me because what I wanted was a place to nurture people. And I actually set up a Facebook group going, oh, you can post your group in there and you will always get really good um, advice and we'll help you. And it's a place to be nurtured and where there's no, we don't have any nested vipers in there. You're going to, you know, everyone will be nice, but we'll, we'll tell you straight. And then as that group grew and grew and grew, everyone else started giving advice. And some of the, it's, I don't mind the handle on it. 
I don't mind people giving shit advice, but don't do it with my face attached. Yeah. It's hard to keep, as the group grows, it's great because it means that there's lots of brand awareness going on. People trust you and they want to be in your space, in your container and learn things from you. But it's hard to keep a handle on a thousand people in a Facebook group. Yeah. And I think that I find that frustrating because I think that's probably the and perfection. Some of them, yeah. Yeah. And some of them don't have great training. So the advice that they're giving and you don't know when you, it's like, I, I gave this example the other day and it stuck with me. I think I'm going to use it in coaching now for ever. Cause I'll never think of another thing. Um, it's like, if your options were to invest in your Roth IRA or to invest in the stock market and you wanted to know where to put your money, it's like walking into Walmart and saying, what should I do? <laughs> the first person to answer you, you're like, that's what I'll do. What qualifies them to give you that answer? <laughs> Facebook groups, you don't know who's answering you. You don't know if they're good or not. You don't know if they even do browse or not. You have no idea if they've ever worked with Tina's line or not. You don't know. There's no qualifying in there. It's just somebody spurting out and just talking shit from the corner. But there's something about the written word that has power with people. And because they saw it written down, they think it's true. And I think that sometimes that feels like putting out fires for me when everyone's going, you're not deep enough, go deeper. And I'm like, it's the last thing you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> last thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and there, there really isn't, as you mentioned, all the things I've got going, there really isn't the time to 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 commit because that's like a full time job just monitoring Facebook. It's out of control. That reminds me, we need to talk to Sarah today. Um, okay. And just for fun, because I love the way that your brain works. What are your top three conspiracies right now? Do you know what? I was never a conspiracy theorist, but do you know when they keep coming true? So top three conspiracies. Well, I've been researching the fact that the Uber rich are going to bankrupt the planet. Oh, so that that's, that's happening. I was listening to some evidence on that. So the Uber rich, so, um, I've got like a real intention on that. My nephews are only six and nine and they really want to do a YouTube channel because they think it's really cool. And I'm like, I want you to do a YouTube channel so you've got business. Yeah. <laughs> you can bring in money like now. That's like, because I really think that by the time they're older, things will be much more difficult for them. So that's my whole thing of like, the, there's like a, just a few billionaires that are going to own everything. Um, I don't know what other, what other conspiracy theorists, th theories I have. Really? Well, you're in the UK, so let me ask you about this one. There's a theory. There are, two, there are two fun theories about the royal family right now, okay? And I think one of them is bullshit, and I think one of them is interesting. So mm -hmm. which do you want first, bullshit or interesting? Bullshit. Okay. Do you know who Trisha Paytas is? No. She's a YouTuber. She's been around for a decade, two decades, something like that. She's um, She had a baby. I don't know how long ago this was, but what is googleable she had a baby and right she didn't tell anyone until she was like very pregnant and then right before she had the baby she's like it's a girl i'm gonna have a baby queen elizabeth died and then her baby was born and i don't know why but everyone on the internet decided that queen elizabeth uh reincarnated in this lady's baby i don't know why and the baby's name is malibu barbie and they announced that the king has cancer and Trisha Paytas announced she's having a son and people are listening. They're like, oh, it's happening again. Every time Trisha has a baby, it's the royal family. Well, there's the whole thing over here that, the, that people think that the royal family are lizards. You know, that they're, they're lizards. 
if King Charles dies right before Trisha has this baby, yeah. I'll be convinced. But I don't, I don't know. So I the other said- theory, the other yeah. theory is that he will not die or he might die, but it's that in, it's it won't be death that takes him from the throne. Nostradamus apparently predicted 450 years ago that Charles would abdicate. Mm, maybe. And Wills, they made a big statement about Wills stepping up yesterday and he's going to take over some of the duties while King Charles is out. Is this the first footstep to abdicating? How how accurate do you think Nostradamus has been? And how much of that do you think is us making a nar- things fit a narrative? I think that we fit it around our narrative because, I mean, I know that he's been, like, there's a lot of things that he has predicted. But, um, I mean, I'm not I don't know, I'm not really that bothered about the royal family. <laughs> I know that everyone out there is. Because um, I'm, I'm, I'm a punk rocker. I don't agree with people ruling over other people. I certainly don't like me being told what to do by anyone. That's why I've not worked for anyone else for 25 years. <laughs> I think, um, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Were you but I like Harry. I like Harry because he's a little bit renegade. I know you guys are a bit tired of Harry and Meghan, but I always liked Harry because he was kind of the um, the bad one. You know, he never towed the line. And so I always liked that about him. <laughs> yeah, he's like a, he's a fun frat boy, right? Or he yeah. was. I mean, now he's an adult married with a baby. Um, I think that it's interesting because I like to see how much marketing and social media influences people's opinions on things. And the more people make what seems to be history lesson videos on TikTok about the royal family, like way back in, not even just Elizabeth and them, but I've been seeing all this stuff on the Tudors and Henry VIII and all this stuff. The more people just take it as fact. I've never researched it. I have no idea if she's telling me the truth or if she's making it up. I don't know. And when they started mentioning Nostradamus, the History Channel has been talking about Nostradamus for years. And they really make things seem so much more, you know, it's it's almost a like clickbait. They make things way more intense or way more dramatic than actually were. And I think that a lot of times they're taking facts and making them fit into what Nostradamus said so that it looks like, you see, he was a, some kind of magician or something. He could see what the future. We do that in permanent makeup. I see permanent makeup marketers making predictions and calls for the market and they actually panic people more than they were like last year people were saying oh the crash is coming the economy is gonna dump you need to make sure your business is ready to go now you need to save your money now do you remember if i remember i know you remember the very start of the pandemic the very start of the pandemic people were really flailing because Mm -hmm. i'm shut down now what do i do there was a very successful permanent makeup marketer who was going to teach you to market your business and grow and scale your business and all the rest who said, get all the money you can together right now. That's not bad advice. Um, but then this person said, take out loans, max your credit cards, make sure that you have as much money liquid as possible. And that's terrible advice. Mm-hmm. But she, this person was so sure that, you know, everything was going to crash and it was going to go terribly that this person was saying, get all the money you can, put it all in one pot, have it on hand. People were were listening. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if right before you were closed for three months, six months, 12 months in California, you took out a giant loan or you maxed out all your credit cards at 26% interest? Because someone you don't know in a Facebook group told you this was a good move. So I say, don't take advice from people in Facebook groups unless it's us. <laughs> we are so easily influenced. It's crazy. And it's the only place that we get news or information or opinions now is social media. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people are so much more opinionated, aren't they, as well? I'm quite okay about not having an opinion on things. Um, Katie, if people want completely unbiased, factual, skill-based education, where can they find you? First place, if you're looking for skills advice, then go to my YouTube, which is at PMU Mentor. Um, if you want us to help you, then you should consider applying to VIPMU. Um, you can find us on Instagram at VIPMU Mentor. You can find me on Instagram, Katie underscore Schofield underscore, or you can generally find me roaming in the woods. <laughs> Scavenging. <laughs> Scavenging. <laughs> I'll never live that down. <laughs> on a business meeting, on a business meeting, Victoria Racker introduced me as a scavenger. Katie is a scavenger. <laughs> Katie is a forager. I forage for wild food. I am not a scavenger. Things are not that bad. <laughs> I imagine people like you think I pick up roadkill or something. Oh my god, I have to pee. Okay, you guys, I will see you back here on the Glam Life podcast next week. Bye, Katie. I love you.